Hello again, everybody. I'm Mike Westendorf. I'm joined again by Pastor Pete Panitsky as we head into our second episode of Great Questions and Great Conversations. I hope you were able to join us for our last one as we were taking a look at uh, some of the textual questions and the inerrancy of Scripture and some of those challenges that we have. As again, we're talking about this, all of this conversations are coming out of a sermon series that we did trying to tackle doubts. And so I'm joined again by Pastor Pete this the, today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're watching it. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about it now. And a question that came up that I thought was really good, and it's certainly on the minds of a lot of Christians, and I think even in the world that is, especially in America, where there's you know spirituality. I, I saw, it was like at an old open pantry, I saw a shop that was selling spiritual aids. Uh, just to help with people's spirituality. I'd never seen a shop like that before. Uh, and I just thought, wow, this is interesting. But the question that we want to tackle uh, in this episode has to deal with denominations and the challenge of where this comes from. Uh, in the minds of many people, it's kind of a black eye to the disunity in the Christian faith, which then suggests that this is all because the Bible has errors in it, which is what we talked about last time. So uh the first question that I'm I'm going to talk, just ask you about is uh, basically why do different denominations have different teachings and and seemingly seemingly in a different inspired Word of God? The basic question is this: How do we know what is truth if there are so many different denom- Christian denominations with different beliefs? So, can we talk a little bit about some of this? Sure, the, the, I love this question too. You know, it it, it truly is. Uh, is the Bible inspired? And if it is, then yeah, why why all these differences? And I think it's important to start with a little history and to just recognize that there, there never was this good old days when the church never had any false teaching to deal with. Uh, in fact, if you are reading Paul's letters, uh-huh. you will see that almost every one of Paul's letters is dealing with some kind of false teaching that is creeping in to the Christian congregation that he's writing to. Or, you know, he he counsels uh, P- Timothy and, and Titus, the, the pastoral epistles, the, these young co-pastors that he's working with and mentoring. Uh, a lot of it deals with, you know, there's false teaching going around. And, and so, you know, where God sets up a church, the devil sets up uh, his own uh, efforts to to deceive and confuse. So let's let's forget about the you know the good old days when when there was one just one church that that never was. There's always been division. Um, can I can and, I jump in there real yeah, quick? Please. If, yeah, you know I I I've wondered a little bit about that because I hear people oftentimes refer back to Pentecost. And how awesome the church was shortly after the explosion uh, in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit and everybody got together and they were breaking bread. And I just think it's, again, I'm a history guy and a context guy, too. This was a short, short season in the church. Um, And there's a lot of other things that are compelling reasons why this church would have been unified the way it was. But then, of course, persecution comes because God didn't want it stuck in Jerusalem. It's got to get out into the world. And now Paul starts to do the hard work uh, and the and apostles of helping them wrestle with right teaching. So this this perfect time seems to oftentimes refer to shortly after Pentecost, where the Bible speaks 
seemingly glowingly of how awesome the church was. And I mean, if it's fair, I would say that all of us as churches have these these seasons where we seem to be on the same page. And then something comes along like COVID and we just find out, oh, we're not as unified as we thought. We better go back to the doctrine. Yeah. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And and to recognize that that uh, even in that wonderful, pristine church, guess what? When Gentiles, non-Jews started to come to faith, what are we going to do with that? Right. And there were there were well-meaning people who said, if we're going to have non-Jews become Christians, they better become Jews too. Because they were raised with, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And the New Testament makes clear, you know, we have this Christian freedom. God had a purpose for those Old Testament laws. Uh, but now in this New Testament time, uh, Gentiles and Jews uh, are, are are saved in the same way, through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and you don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. But that was a huge dividing friction. In fact, that's very often in Paul's letters. You'll see that, <laughs> that cultural clash. And again, that nobody was saying, I want to teach false doctrine. They came from a preconceived notion. They looked at what God was saying from this preconceived notion, and they tried to make God's revelation fit with their preconceived notion. And that's really where false teachings have come in over and over again. And and in humility, we have to constantly be asking ourselves, what's my preconceived notion? And am I approaching this text, making it fit what I believe and what I want? Mm -hmm. Or am I really letting this text speak the truth into my heart? That's a you know, the the common word, the buzzword that is used a lot now is that idea of bias. You know, like I have my bias and that preconceived preconceived notion, and yeah, we don't we don't oftentimes think about that whether it's matters of of the day, whether it's politics or race or Christianity or gender roles, things of that nature. Um, we tend to take our bias as absolute truth. That's true for the Christian and the unbeliever too. So that when when there's this friction that exists. Can we step outside of ourselves far enough to be able to see, now I have some bias and what does God's word actually have to say that strips that apart and strips that away to say, but this is what God's kingdom is about, not Mike's kingdom. Yeah, I I think the key word for, for me is always humility. You know, am I humble enough to admit that I do have this bias? Uh, and am I humble enough to admit, uh, I need to listen to my brothers and my sisters uh, in Christ who are speaking differently than me. And are they maybe responding to things that I've never had to think about or uh, responding in ways that were appropriate at their time? And, and then we, we've jumped to conclusions from that. So just that sense of humility, I, I want to keep learning. And I want to keep my my ears open and then attuned to God's word. So can I give you a couple of, of topics that came out of this that I think, again, they show up in the denominational world, which, again, creates confusion among unbelieving people and even within the church. Like, are we on the same time? Are we even talking about the same Jesus? And I don't know. I, I'm sure that many of our listeners and viewers would 
if in humility, we could be honest, I kind of thought that whoever wasn't in my camp was going to hell when I was a kid, you know, like that's how it just came across black and white. Cause that's all the thinking I've got, you know, but like you said, in humility that we try to be patient and try to really seek to understand. And there's a couple, couple, we'll just keep it simple, <laughs> simple. Uh, I'd like to first talk the idea of tongues. Now, this is an issue in our day and age today with denominations that believe in this extra gift, this extra gifting of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, things of that nature. Um, and it has ramifications for the way the Christian life uh, you know, is lived out. And yet the Bible talk about spoke about tongues. And so can you maybe speak a little bit into that? How does denominationalism play into that? God's word play into that? And how does the Christian take the bias off the table and listen with patience? To somebody who's different yeah and again i'm a history guy so you go uh, i need to understand some of the history um where, where do some of the the pentecostal uh 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 charismatic charismatic thank you or that's the word i was looking for um where does much of that come from it comes from a backlash to the 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 institutional the the intellectual approach to Christianity. So, you know, back in the you know this goes all the way back to you know again you need to need to know history because we're being impacted by it. Uh, after Luther's time in the 1600s, about a century after Martin Luther's time, you know, there was a horrible time in the the part of the christian church that that we have been most influenced by northern europe is is what has influenced northern and 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 the middle you know middle you know uh switzerland and, and germany uh you know that's what has really impacted the religious world here in the united states and about 1600 a uh, 100 years after the time of uh the uh, 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 reformer, Martin Luther, um, there was this horrible time called the 30 Years' War, which, by the way, they didn't call 30 Years' War when it started. It was only after the fact. Oh, right. it lasted 30 years. Lasted 30 1618 years. to 1648. Imagine a third of your total population being gone. And congregations suddenly are these huge congregations because there's not enough pastors. And the church has become focused so much on the state church. If you are part of this state, you are part of the church. Whether you believe or not, you're part of the church because you were born in this, in this province. And so Christians looked around and just went, Christianity is more than just knowing, you know, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross. Christianity is, is, is saying, I know that, and I believe that he died for me, uh, and that changes the way I think and the way I act. But they looked around at the, the, the standard churches, the, the state churches, and went, there's something wrong. We need to, to reclaim that personal relationship with the Savior. Uh, and so 
this this focus on the personal experience became so great that now we this is how we know for certain that we we're saved because we have this personal interaction and the danger with that is once you start thinking about your own personal how am i am i responding correctly guess what if you're honest you'll always be saying uh, I'm not doing as well as I should. Yeah. Right. right, right. I, you're always going to come up short. Um, but that's really where this, the, the, the charismatic focus came from is, is I need signs, the Bible, God's word, God's promises aren't enough. What will really reassure me that I'm a believer and Jesus died for me is some experience that I've had. So, yep. In the old Testament or in the new Testament times, Jesus used speaking in tongues as one of the signs. In Mark chapter 16, the gospel says that at, right at the end of that chapter, Mark chapter 16, mm-hmm. you know, go and, and preach the gospel to all, all mm-hmm. nations, you know, yep. make disciples, preach the gospel to all nations. And these signs will accompany those who believe. They will, they will you know, speak in tongues. They'll pick up snakes and, and it will not harm them, you know. Right. And 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 there are some churches that pick up snakes. Oh, you you read the the New Testament and go, oh, I remember Paul being bitten by a snake, and everybody thought, oh, this is right at, near the end of the Book of Acts. God must really hate him, and he shakes the the snake off into the fire. You know, these signs reassured the 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 hearers that these were truly God's apostles. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, the signs that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles. In other words, not everybody did these things. Yeah. And in Corinth, where they said, oh, we want this flashy uh, sign uh, of speaking in tongues. Paul said, you really want to do something good for the church? If you want a spiritual gift, seek the spiritual gift of love. Because if you don't have that, nothing else is going to work. So just because somebody claims that they have this spiritual gift, I'm going to search the scriptures and I'm going to compare with what they teach. Because, you know, the devil can use false signs that that, that confuse people. And I'm not saying people who speak in tongues are are demon-possessed or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that... That's not a clear indication that they're speaking the truth. The only way I can know for sure is from the inspired word of God. And I know that the God, the Bible is inspired because I go back to the empty tomb. Last week we talked about, you know, how do I know the Bible is true? Because I'm always going back and saying, prove to me again that the tomb is empty. If the tomb is empty, then the Bible is true. And that's what I'll use to examine whether the church is teaching the truth or not. Good. Um, well, I don't know. Sorry. It, well, like you said, I mean, it, some of these questions, that's why we said it's a great question and a great conversation because it really does require that. Some of this you won't process all in one video show. You know, you're not going to have all of your questions satisfactorily uh, answered. It's going to be a, a journey. Um, but I think that, that your point about humility, understanding history, uh, I, I, 
I'm a history guy too. I'm a context guy. And I know that some of our listeners are not, they're just like, give me the black and white answer. That's all I need to know. Um, but the reality of it is, is that the, a, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we've seen this before. It's actually biblical. We've seen this in the Bible before. The question is, like you said, I appreciate you came back to love. How do we deal with one another? If they claim to be a brother and sister in Christ, let's start there and then start with God's word instead of saying you're not a brother or sister in Christ because you're part of that church. You believe that thing when we really don't have the full context and really understanding that person. Um, however, if I can have you just speak into this, I'd talk about before we wrap this up, because there is the truth. And some of what a church may teach is not the truth. It's a false doctrine. And we know that false doctrine leads us away from um, Christ. How does the Christian help the world understand our need to exist in this tension, if you will? Does that make sense? This yeah. tension yeah. will exist. We have right. to, we can't just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Peace, love, joy. Um, and yet on the flip side, taking a hammer to the other group doesn't necessarily show the unbelieving world that we love. Help me understand this yes. thing. See, and that's that's where you go back to, let's start with love, right? Now, I want to love people. And I want also want to love the truth. So I'm going to assume the best, kind of like what you were saying before. I, let's assume the best about people. Uh, and, and if, if we're in conversation with them, let, let, let's, let's, let's learn what, what do they believe and, 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 and assume the best rather than immediately judge them because they're, they're characterized by one denomination or another. Um, so we want to love people and just because we disagree with them doesn't mean that we are saying that they are not wonderful Christians, you know, or that we are saying everything they're doing is wrong. You know, this is one of the things that, you know, I look around and I drive by churches and I'm thankful for every one of them. Now, I can't join with them because, you know, I know that, okay, I I don't believe that they're teaching God's word correctly about this or that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not teaching God's word at all. So I'm, I want to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also to recognize that, uh, we want to, the apostle John says, working together for the truth. I don't want to work together for falsehood. I want to work together for the truth. Nice. So I'm always going to be trying to, you know, understand the truth for myself and helping other people understand and grasp the truth. And, uh, so I can love people even though I disagree with them. I can celebrate the, the good that God is working through them, even though I think there's some danger. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the example I use is uh, uh, building a house on a foundation. If, if the house is solidly on the foundation, the house is safe to mm -hmm. live in. Mm -hmm. If the house is a little bit off of the foundation, you might be able to live there okay. It, you know, 
You have cracks in but the ceiling, but yeah. <laughs> but there, but there's some danger that it will collapse. Right, right, right. And and that's that's true about false doctrine. You know, the, the Christian Church, their 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 teaching on Christ is going to build up people's faith. God be praised for that. If they're they're missing something, uh, you know, like what we believe about baptism that 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 baptism is God's promise to us personal like like a hug from god that you that our sins are forgiven and if a church teaches that baptism is primarily your act of obedience to god that you're submitting to god well that's a part of baptism but the primary thing is oh they're missing out on god's hug oh i want them to know that too Mm -hmm. which is why which is why we're going to stand for the truth here and we're not going to join in this, particularly when you talk about church work together. Right. Yeah, but we're going to still celebrate the fact that 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 Christ crucified, risen, and reigning is still preached in many of those places. Right. Well, we we talk about uh, we confess in the Apostles' Creed the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, mm-hmm. that there is one church, and that one church is everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, and. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, no matter what denomination, you're part of that holy Christian church, the communion of saints, this gathering of perfect people because your sins are forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we want to celebrate that and not forget that, even though in this world we'll have to say, uh, I love you enough to to say I'm going to hold on to the truth and, and I'll disagree with you. I think it's important for us to just close this by uh, probably because uh, for all of our viewers and listeners, many people, people like transparency. Like you said, we're part of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, and you can look up our doctrinal beliefs. You can take a look at the the Book of Concord. You can take a look at our history about where it is that we came from and where we stand when it comes to baptism and Holy Communion, that these are the, this is the way that we have, and you kind of mentioned it before, that, you know, this is the... This is a legacy that's been handed down to us, and it's the way that we have seen and we believe Scripture to be true. Is there anything that you want to say about about uh, that? I would just just say, why are you the denomination you're at? Very often, people kind of throw it in my face and say, "Well, you're Wisconsin Synod Lutheran because you were born that way." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and you know, I get it. There's some truth to that. But I'm a Wisconsin Synod Lutheran pastor because I've had to search the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit convince me that our teachings are right. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I fully and completely understand it or fully and completely apply it correctly. And so I'm still learning. I'm still this humble learner, uh, always seeking, Lord, Help me know the truth better. And I think if we as Christians all would have that approach, uh, we, we would be, uh, the unbelieving world around us would not be seeing the divisions. They would be saying, you love each other even though you disagree. Wow, yes. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great place to end it. That That is, a, that is part of our prayer. So thank you for your time with all of this, Pastor Pete. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, brother. 
This is great questions, great conversations. I hope that this has been helpful to you. And uh, we'll be continuing to produce a few more episodes uh, that came out of this series on some doubts. And we'll continue to to tackle a few more of those. But until then, uh, we'll see you again next time. Mm -hmm.